Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Fire for them, fire for them. If you're looking for that 35 bag umbrella and all damn thing there, keep it locked with this Unomics podcast. 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 Hello and welcome back to episode 70 of the Dishonomous Podcast. As per shout out to those who listened to the previous week's episode with regards, oh yeah, interest rates. Interest rates was risen last week, by the time you're hearing this, probably about 10 days ago. It's very important to understand why they were risen. Risen, now. I don't know why some gospel song came to my head. Why the interest rates hiked, how it impacts you, because if you have a bank account, savings account, personal loan, credit cards, or mortgage is very, very much likely to affect you or a loved one. So make sure you check that episode out. I think it's like 16 minutes long, so very short and concise and to the point. This week, my podcast isn't going to be on one specific topic. Two is going to be more business-based and another more politics and social awareness, if you like. Actually, I'm not lie. It's not social awareness, it's just politics. Well, it could be social. Anyway, you know it will decide, Sha. Anyway, episode... 70 coming after a young snippet. Hi, guys, MXM, and listen to the Dysonomics podcast because it's late. Episode 70, I'm going to cover three mini topics Apple, Trillion Dollar Baby, House of Fraser, Mike Ashley Tiggs, and Boris and Berka. So, first on the menu, Apple. Why we talk about Apple? Recently, I was going to cover it last week, but I forgot. Apple was the first US company to actually reach a trillion dollar market cap. In fact, let me describe what market cap is. Market cap is the short term for market capitalization. And what market capitalization is, is a measurement. What it in fact measures is a total dollar market value of a company's outstanding shares. The the formula is very simple. The total number of shares you have outstanding multiplied by the share price. If you have 200 shares outstanding and you ha- and your shares are $1 share, your total market cap is $200. So Apple, if you multiply the total number of outstanding shares by Apple's share price, which I think to break that trillion dollar barrier, it was like $207, just over $207. That made its market cap value of a trillion dollars. In fact, there was a Chinese company. I don't know why I've forgotten the name. I should know this. I forgot. They were like, a, they were, I think they were the first to reach that trillion dollar cap. Like, things like, oh, before the financial crisis. So, my oh seven. But then they quickly went back down again. And I think they're worth like maybe a quarter of that. So, Apple were the, f- Apple pips um, Amazon to the post to be the first trillion dollar company. So why is Apple booming like that? So obviously over the years, we've seen how powerful Apple's marketing is. And if you really want to take it in, I'm not sure it's as prevalent now, but there was a period, I'll say when I was 
like three, four years ago where you'd be on the London Underground and you look across the carriage and all you'll see is Apple logos. You'll see an iPad when they first dropped. You'll see iTouches. You'll see MacBooks. You'll see iPhones. And then obviously with the colourful adverts, they were, their branding was very, very excellent. And the products, of course, were worked fantastically. In terms of this year's what's kind of helped things go, um, Apple's share price was... Apple share price has actually been up 20% on the year. And this is mainly predicated around the solid iPhone X and 8 sales, which I think debuted last autumn, especially in China and Japan. So the sales for the 8 and the X were popping. I actually might get X, but they might release that in September, so I'll see. I can't upgrade in November. Anyway, and also in terms of servicing from the App Store, that's also helped business boom. So that's why Apple are popping in a very, very shorthanded, less technical way. I really want to do a tech podcast with my guy, Sam, but he's been a bit of a chicken. But when he stops being a chicken, we'll do that podcast. We'll talk about all these companies in much detail. With regards, to, I mentioned that Amazon were in a kind of almost in a race to reach that $1 trillion market capitalization. They're the second largest company. Their market cap is over $900 million, which is fantastic. In terms of, okay, I'll give you the top 10 companies in terms of market cap. So number one, I already mentioned Apple. Number two, Amazon. The next two, Alphabet, you don't know as Google. And Microsoft, they're over $800 million in terms of market cap, which is amazing. Fifth on the list, so go, sorry, Apple, Amazon, Alphabet, slash Google, Microsoft, which is amazing because Microsoft was pamming all these youths <laughs> a decade or two ago. Shout out Steve Jobs and them. Um, number five, Mark Zuckerberg and, and his boys, Facebook. Imagine, like, start us as a social media web, so, a social networking um website business is booming six is alibaba the chinese e-commerce firm e-commerce is just simply selling goods and services digitally seven is berkshire halfway you may think what's berkshire halfway but you i'm sure you know the owner his name is warren buffett remember i said the share price of apple was 207 dollars when it passed the market cap rate of market cap benchmark of one trillion if you want a whole share of Berkshire Halfway, that will set you back a cool $312,000. $312,000 for one share. Business booming. Number eight is a multinational investment conglomerate from China called Tencent Holdings. Very, very new company. They started in 1998, which is kind of bonkers. Number nine, you probably have heard of JP Morgan Chase Bank. Big investment bank from the, from the US based on Wall Street. Of course, they have a massive office in Canary Wharf. Got a couple of friends I work there. Shout out them. And number 10, ExxonMobil. Again, American-based, multinational company, oil and gas. So those are the 10 biggest companies in terms of market capitalization. And all these companies are chopping, chopping, chopping. Big, 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 big dollar. Anyway, that's it for Apple. Second topic, House of Fraser. Many of us should know of House of Fraser. They're damn near 170 years old in terms of business. Retail company, retail giant who have been going for a torrid, torrid, torrid time. They've got stores everywhere. Um, they had a store, because I actually go House of Fraser actually, only because they had, I don't know why I started going to House of Fraser. It didn't really make sense. Well, I kind of stopped. But in between House of Fraser and Selfridges for my fragrances and that. But anyway, actually, why do I go to House of Fraser? Oh yeah, House of Fraser's always have those box set things. Anyway, ignore that. Um... House of Fraser, been struggling, been struggling. 
There was talks of them pamming 15,000 jobs, which is terrible. Think about 15,000 people losing their jobs after finding a new livelihood. They wanted to shut 31 of what, 59 stores? So just over 50% of their stores they wanted to shut. If you don't know House of Fraser, massive company, massive department store, they sell clothing, they sell, they probably do kitchen stuff, I don't know, but I know them for clothing. I don't buy clothes there, but they do clothing, they do fragrance, makeup, all that type of stuff. And it's very interesting because the times have changed and that's what's really pammed House of Fraser, to be honest. It's a buyer's market. So for us consumers, it's super duper lit for us. Like we have so much choice. We can like, I remember I'm I'm ordering something on Amazon at like 8 p.m. when it's coming to my house the next day, bro. Like even Mr. Porter will be doing swift next day delivery, come with a nice bag all wrapped up in a young bow and that you could get Selfridges order online, go pick up at the store the next day. House of Fraser have been super duper slow to move at the times. Loads of other firms do what House of Fraser already do anyway. Like if you want to get perfume, you can actually probably get on Amazon if you wanted to. And I'm sure um, ASOS do perfume. ASOS definitely do clothes. So do Amazon. So do Selfridges. So the Topshop. All these other places. So there's massive, massive competition. Oh, Perfume Shop. John Lewis. There's massive competition for what House of Fraser want to do. And when you're competing with the likes of Amazon and... And who's the other one? ASOS I mentioned. They have lower costs because they don't actually have stores. They don't have stores where you're paying ridiculous rents. I think... The rent in Grimsby was looking at a million pounds a year. That's nuts. If you look at stuff like brand loyalty, their brand loyalty is done out here, rude boy. Completely and utterly finished. You need to have a presence in social media. I think looking at one BBC um, video, um, Primark who don't have online store, have like 5 million followers on Instagram. House of Hazel, who's been around for 169 years, have 100,000 and they have an online store. So not do they weren't doing enough in, their, in terms of their online presence. And the way, even the way the store is, like culturally, it's kind of like you just come into the store and buy. Like there's no real incentive to go House of Fraser. I know they've got that loyalty card I have, but other than that, there's no real incentive. Why would you go to House of Fraser to go get a Selfridges or go to Selfridges? And when you look at places like other department stores like Selfridges, Harrods and Harvey Nicks, I don't really go Harvey Nicks too tough. Harrods sometimes, but mainly Selfridges. You go to these places almost like an experience, unless you're just a baller like that. And even still, even if you're a baller like that, the way they treat you in Harvey, in Harris or in Selfridges is completely different. So you've got that type of, almost like a day out if if you like. You, you ain't really try to be by me, go to Selfridges. Way too many paintings in Selfridges. Anyway, also even the way it's kind of branded, it's more high-end, it's more luxury. And also even like from, like with Selfridges, you get the yellow bag. I remember back at uni, people were going to Selfridges to buy stuff from Topshop and Offspring. So they could just take a walk around the yellow bag and take a young picture. Same with Harvey Nitz, you get the green, um, no, Harvey Nitz, you get the white bag. Who And Harrods, you get the green bag. So those little bits of marketing and kind of USPs mix set them aside from Bummy Ass House of Fraser. So I mentioned the potential jobs being cut. And even if you look at from the C-suite, those like the exec, exec, executive dons. It's been mad higgy. They've had three CEOs in three years. One person resigned in two years, after two years. And CEOs don't tend to switch job, like dip out of jobs like that. You are the pinnacle of a co- massive company. You don't have much incentive to be really sliding like that. So it's been a lack of direction and a lack of change of the times. And just to go back to the point about 
them not really, you know, mirror the times. You look on online, it took them so long to up, to start to upgrade a digital platform. Only when their e-commerce, which totaled, so their online online sales totaled, um, totaled at what? I think it was like a fifth of their overall sales. That's when they decided, yeah, I think this was 2017 or 20, 2017, I think, decided, yeah, we'll invest 25 million on digital platform. In the same year, ASOS invested double that 50 million in the first half of the year alone. John Lewis from 2015 said we're looking to invest 500 million over the next few or however many years on our digital platform because they know that's where the market's going. We're out here shopping on our smartphones. We don't need to go into the stores. I remember my um, my Sobby Senior, my workplace, they used to work in House of Fraser. That was their first job after qualifi- qualification. And they said like House of Fraser basically didn't make no money really until Christmas. And Christmas, they'll make it, they make so much money that it puts them in a the black for the year. Well, we've been hearing for years how the Christmas sales on the high street are slowing, and also you can just go online and just just grab stuff for me. So it's been a bit peak for them. So what's happened is, I think it was Friday actually. My Ashley, who is the CEO of um, Sports Direct, owner of Sports Direct, and obviously of course the owner of Newcastle United Football Club, he purchased the brand the stores and the stock from EY, Ernest & Young, the administrators, for £90 million. Pounds. Could have bought Pogba, in my opinion. It's interesting to see what's going to go on with that. Some people looking, when I was reading the FT, they want to, I'm not sure if that was a great move or not. Um, if you look at their pre-tax profit in like 2016, it was a loss of like £20 billion. Um, non Non-food-like sales, if you look at, I think KPMG tracked this. So if you look at just sales across... Across the across industries, nothing to do with food ha- has been very low. In fact, it was declining by negative two percent. It was declining by two percent earlier in the year, but roughly is around zero percent now. So not like sales or business is booming like in the retail industry. So nobody's really sure what's going on there, but we'll shall see. So that's that for House of Fraser. Now, Bamas Boris Johnson. Boris and Burkers. This damn fool, the latest of these ridiculously insensitive, offensive, and straight up dumb comments. This time it was t- towards wim- um, w- women who practice Islam. He described those wearing burkas. He compared them with bank robbers and said they look like letterboxes which is incredibly disrespectful, incredibly offensive. Some people, it's now, it now raised a discussion about banning burkas, which I'll get onto towards the end of this segment. But I want to give you a quick history of some of the most ridiculous things that this year has said. 2016, was it? Yeah, um, during the whole Brexit thing, and Obama said his piece that he believes, I think... It, UK should be part of the EU, blah blah blah. Then he was like, "Blah blah blah." What do you know? You're not even in America like that, fam. You're. He said he's part um, Kenyan and he has ancestral dislike for Britain. Who asked you? Like he's just an idiot. Um, then if you go back to 2007, he said Hillary Clinton looked like, and I quote, a sadistic nurse in a mental hospital. This is somebody who could have been potentially the most powerful politician in the world, and you're saying that she looks like a sadistic nurse in a mental hospital. This guy's a fool. And then if you go to 2002, some mad, 
mad, mad comments. So, regarding the Queen going to um, on Commonwealth visits, he said the Queen must be love touring the Commonwealth, cheering crowds of flag-waving pickneys, which is a racial slur because it alludes to dark, dark-skinned children. So, and then he said with their watermelon smiles, and we all know the racial connotation of the watermelon. This... This is a. This is not just any politician. This is a very powerful politician. While well, he used, well, he resigned recently, but he's always been in the spotlight in the cabinet. Just in two thousand two, he also said, that, "And I, this is all quotes." The best fate for Africa would be if the colonial powers or the citizens scramble once again in her direction, on the understanding that this time there will not be a hoax to feel guilty. Are you flipping mad? The best fate for Africa is for us to be colonised again. This person was foreign sick, fam. And people pass off like he's some bumbling idiot. He's not a bumbling idiot. He's an idiot, but not but like but he's not like an idiot in, 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 in an endearing manner. Like RIP to one of the Chuckle Brothers. Like the Chuckle Brothers or Mr. Bean. No, and the guys are the guys are bum in the worst of ways. He is an ignorant, racist, incompetent buffoon, bro. And we already know ever since 9-11, there has been an intense tension between Muslims and the Western world. And of all the, and you're saying things like this, completely and utterly disrespectful, unprovoked, and why? And this whole burqa debate is absolute bollocks. It's bollocks. It just makes me sick. Why should burqas be banned? Because it's covering your face, it's covering your identity, and there's different. There's there's veils, there's niqabs, there's burkas, there's all different types that cover, show and show and cover different parts of your body and face, whatever. Yeah, cool. Why should these be banned? Because if I wanted to conceal my face, I could conceal my face with normal clothing, bro. I could wear a hoodie, tight, very tight. I could have a big pair of sunglasses, and you can't see the majority of my face. Facts. And we had this discussion in the economics group chat that I set up and it was quite heated, but people were like, oh yeah, but it's untrustworthy. I don't trust them. Okay, first of all, I've never ever heard of a single law that says you can't be untrustworthy. I'm not sure if you could go to jail for being untrustworthy. I'm not sure if you could go to jail for, for people not see not knowing your identity. I didn't know that was a crime. In fact, to be honest, if people don't see, if even people see your face, they still don't know your identity if, if you're a stranger. We have um, we have tourists in places like Covent Garden, St Paul's, Victoria, Oxford Street, as particularly from the Far East region, who wear those masks to, to stop them from pollution, which covers half of their face. And I've seen some of them with that mask and a hat and sunglasses. You cannot see their face, bro. I've never heard a single comment from anybody wanting to ban this. I want to hear, and people talk about, oh, yeah, but if they do crime, where is the statistics I want to hear how many crimes have been committed by those wearing niqabs burkas veils I want to hear the numbers before we make this legislation I want to hear the numbers it has to be rational just because something makes you uncomfortable does not make it wrong and and this is the most bait face Islamophobia because there's no there's no there's no statistic to back up why you want it banned how does it impact you? Because it makes you feel a bit uncomfortable. Seeing people in boot cuts make me feel uncomfortable. Are we going to ban boot cuts? 
Seeing people eat their partner's face off in public makes you feel uncomfortable. Seeing large groups of football fans <clears throat> jumping up and down, drunk and disorderly, makes you feel uncomfortable. You're allowed to be drunk. You're allowed to sing loudly. But that makes you feel uncomfortable. Are we going to ban that too? I'm sure that nature, that level of behaviour has probably led to way more, exponentially way more crimes than those wearing these garments. So I really, really despise that argument. It's absolutely nonsense. Complete and utter tosh. I'm not having a single bar of it. It's sickening. Boris Johnson makes me sick. Absolutely sick. There's cause of him to be expelled permanently. And of course he won't be. Because if somebody made... When you insult Muslims, when you insult blacks to this level of consistency and grotesqueness, nobody really cares, bro. The proof's in the pudding. If somebody was to make comments like these about another group of people, there's a couple groups I can think of that I'm not going to go into, that if you made even 20% of these remarks, you will be out of here so damn fast. But boy, that's a, that's a topic for another day. Let me end it here because I'm even annoyed thinking about this. But yeah, thank you for listening to this week's short and sweet Dish Numbers podcast. A big shout out to those who listened to the previous 70 episodes. A mini milestone, 70 is a round number. Shout out you lot, still trying to give you podcasts every week. I'll be back next week with another podcast as per usual, 10.30pm, SoundCloud and iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Search Dishonomics, subscribe, rate the podcast, follow on SoundCloud and the main thing, share with your friends, tell a friend, tell a friend, even tell your work colleagues, man, out here, get me. If you want to hit me up, I've put my DMs open for, I actually need to read them actually, damn, I forgot about that. And my email, crap, sorry, I'm very bad. Email, hello at thisonomics.com don't send me your mixtape because I will call the police not trying to hear your soundcloud um, unless it's a podcast and that's if I have time um, you can tweet me at d1synomics instagram at thisonomics and yeah until next week peace Sports Social Podcast Network